So we normally start with some sort of pre-show banter that normally involves one of us really upsetting the other. And in keeping with that tradition, I may or may not be upsetting Mike by saying um, there is a little bit of construction going on at the house. It is going on on the opposite end of the house in the short way. Uh, but you might hear listeners slash Mike some drilling or banging or whatever the case may be. Uh, and so if that leaks through into the recording, my deepest and most sincere me. apologies for that. It doesn't upset me. All right. I mean, like I'm at the studio today, which is a, you know, it's a semi-public place. So anything can happen. Fair enough. In fact, the heating and hot water in the entire building is broken right now. Oh, wonderful. And I believe the pump room is next door. So who knows <laughs> what might start happening uh, with all the equipment. So it's, it's on the chilly side today because it's three degrees outside, which is 37 oh degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and it's always colder inside <laughs> this big brick room. So I have a heating fan thing underneath the desk right now uh, blowing hot air at me. Because there's no heating in the studio. Well, that that is that is that unseasonably chilly, or is that just normal for London? It feels like it's gotten chilly. It, it was like super warm. Uh, it was over room temperature outside a couple like last week. Mm-hmm. It was like twenty something degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful, and now it's dropped all the way back down again. In fact, there are parts of London and the wider UK today that's got snow. Oh my! Which is. Somewhat surprising, but we always get a bit of April snow. Not always, frequently get a bit of April snow. Yeah, Richmond, presently, it's gorgeous out. We were actually discussing this in the pre-show. I won't I won't go through the what is room temperature discussion again with you guys, but uh, it was, yeah, I would say, you know, 70, 75 the last few days, which to Mike, I think is in the low 20s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, refer back to, I think, the very last episode of Analog if you want a conversation about that. Um, but it's been gorgeous here. And, and yeah, Richmond is a similar thing where we'll get like, a taste of spring, and then usually there'll be a cold front, which happened like late last week, and it'll be freezing again, almost literally. Uh, so, you know, it'll be like five degrees Celsius or something like that. And then it'll go back to gorgeous, and then we just go straight into pollen season, which is what we're entering now. So you might hear me stumble and sneeze from time to time. And then immediately after pollen season is, oh my God, I will not leave the air conditioning unless I have to season, which mm. is coming coming up any second now. Yeah, I had to revert to winter coat today from oh spring my. jacket. Mm. That was upsetting. I don't like doing that. Once mm. I move through the coats, yep, you know, yep, yep. like I don't want to change yep, uh, yep. until it's time. You know, that, that evens go in the other way. You know, yeah. once once I go into winter coat, I don't want to stop wearing winter coat until and then I'm done with it. Right. Like I don't want to move backwards <laughs> and forwards, stick to one. And because I don't like to do the whole like every single day. Like Adina does this, right? Before we leave the house, she'll ask the echo what the temperature is, right? Mm-hmm. And and it gets to the temperature and then she works it out. I can't work out number to cope. Right? <laughs> Maybe that's I my next no step. That's what I conver- need. <laughs> there you go. You work on that for me. But I have no mental conversion for like temperature to clothing. Yep. Like I can't keep them straight in my head about which is which and and where does it go? So I like to have just, it stays a certain way for a period of time and then I don't have to think about it. So I just make the change once and then we'll stay in that mode until the ch- until it stops again, you know? <laughs> right. That's what I like. 
Yep. So our friend of the show, Matt, uh, in the Discord has put in a picture, which is just text. So you're not missing much. But I've seen this come from like many different American geographies. So this is not unique to wherever Matt is. It's not unique to Richmond. But I do view that this is something that I see in Richmond. And it's, it's the progression of seasons. And it reads, winter, full spring, second winter, spring of deception, third winter, the pollening, which is what we're entering right now, actual spring, summer, H-E double hockey sticks front porch, if you will, uh, false fall, second summer, and actual fall. Which is Why didn't you the, say hells? Because I, I don't know. For, for, right at the last second, I was like, wait, do I need to censor myself there? I don't think I do, but here I am. Yeah. I, we'll cut it out. Is, don't worry. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, but this is, this is the, the, the conversation of like, what is a curse word? Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Because somebody wrote into me recently to ask why I don't censor goddamn. Ah, yes. I've heard this debate before. Mm -hmm. And that's just because to me, that's not a curse word. But I would also bleep P-I-S-S. Which to me is nothing. You wouldn't. Right. Uh, And so like the answer typically is when someone says, hey, why don't you do this? It's like, well, because that's not a curse word to me. Yeah. Yeah. This is the same thing that we got into. I think, I don't remember if it made the released version of the show, but this was early in the show. I had said something about SPAZ, which in American right, English at the time, bad. I think it's changed that's now. And I think it's more like, we, we view it more like the UK does now. But at the time, that was just a colloquialism for being like, I almost said it again, like for being a little out of sorts, if you will. And mm-hmm. when I said that, you were like, <gasps> Or at least that's my memory of it. It was a long yes, time ago. Yes, I was ago. very upset about it because you—that's a very insensitive word to use. Right, and and I was like, wait, what? What? Why? Why are you upset? And and turns out this is a very big cultural difference between our two our two fine and great nations. I actually think it's not anymore, though. No, you're, I agree. Now I think we've come along to your perspective on SPAZ yeah. and that mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not really smiled upon. Well, I don't think we think of it as quite as terrible as you guys do but it's certainly gone from like a haha colloquialism to oh no that's a problem yeah i don't know anyway. so, there you go uh, yeah so that's our tour of uh weather and <laughs> inappropriate and words mild curse words yeah, it's, it's also funny for me you say it the same way i do you say a curse word but in parts of america i want to say the midwest but i might have that wrong it's cuss words, C-U-S-S. Yeah, that's that always, a different word. Cuss is like... That, that always struck me funny. I mean, I know like the word cuss, like to, to cuss someone out, it's like a, it's like a phrase here, right? Which is mm. just like, not words as such, it's like to... The act. The act of saying something negative towards someone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. It's just uh, the cussing always struck me as such a funny phrase. It's like pop for soda. Like, because I didn't grow up with it, it just seems so foreign to me. It's like, you might as well be, I don't know, British if you're going to say pop because it's just so foreign. Mm. I think it's Memphis where everything's Coke. Uh, yeah, like I mean, I, I can get on board with that because I prefer Coke over Pepsi, but that's just me. No, but like even non-Coke is called Coke. Well, oh, okay. So if if Coke is the substitute for any cola product, I don't have a problem with that. But not if even you are, just cola, man. See, that's like what I was going to say. If if but root this beer is, is I think Coke, it's, I think Memphis and Atlanta do this because the Coke plant, the bottling plant, is there, isn't it? Isn't Coke based there? Yeah, Coke is based in Atlanta. Yes, I don't know anything about Memphis in that regard. I, th- I believe that's the case. Stephen told me this once when we were. Uh, 
when I was there. I don't know how, I don't think today it's like very much the same. I think it's maybe like one of those things that has worn away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Sims in the Discord is saying that in Atlanta, the fr- just the word Coke is a generic for all fizzy drinks. Yeah, see that that I I think is a bit much. I understand it in Atlanta because that's where Coke is based, like you had said. But to to refer to a root beer as a Coke is very funny to me. Yeah, it's like Hoover for vacuums. Familiar with this one? But I'm familiar with that. I know that's a UKism. Uh, Xerox, I think, probably is both both sides of the pond. Um, no, no, Mm-mm. nope. Oh, interesting. I always assumed that made it to the UK. So, what do you guys call it? Photocopying? Yes. Huh. Wow, today I learned. Like we also don't Kleenex. We don't um we don't we don't call tissues Kleenexes. Oh, yeah, see I see, I hear tissue more than I hear Kleenex, but Kleenex is absolutely a thing that you will hear around the states for sure. Yeah. Wow, we're really covering the gamut today. <laughs> we're all over the place. It's um, as if we didn't have a show prepared. We what do. do we do? We have a lot of topics prepared, but now we're just <laughs> We should start working on that. Uh, hey, Mike, if I was on my way to the airport to come see you okay. and I wanted to use a cellular telephone in order to communicate with you about my progress on my trip, do you have any yep. ways in which I could do that? That is a very weird lead-in. But yes, <laughs> let me tell you about Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and paying too much money with big wireless providers, it's no wonder that we're skeptical about new deals. So when you learn that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month, you might think to yourself, all right, what's the catch? But once you learn about them and their service, it makes sense. There really isn't a catch. Mint Mobile's secret sauce, if you will, is that they are the first company to sell wireless service online only. So in cutting out retail stores, they don't have to deal with the wild overhead costs that get passed down to you in the form of mysterious fees. Instead, Mint just passes on those sweet savings direct to you. For people looking for extra savings, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. All of the plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same number along with all of your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Now, Casey, I know that the fine folk over at Mint Mobile sent you a SIM. Could you explain, because this is one of the things that I know that they're great at, how fast the activation process is? Yeah, so I got my SIM, and I wanted to put it in my iPad and use it there, because I have a cellular-powered iPad. And they said, yeah, 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 sure, go for it. It's no problem. And so it was It was a while ago, several months ago that I did this. And it was so fast getting it activated, I can't even remember the specifics of it. I don't remember if it was like a web page or if it was in their app, which is very well done. Yeah, you could just go to that web page. Okay, there you go. Yeah. It, was, mm-hmm. it was so quick and easy that it was no problem. And and it works great in my iPad. Uh, I did pop it in my phone for a little bit. Just try that. Worked great there. Uh, it really, really is nice. And they don't seem to play a lot of the bogus uh, cell phone company things of like, oh, if you want this, it's another $34 a month. And oh, we're going to just kind of quietly assume you want the Super Mega Ultra Deluxe package at $7,000 a month. No, it's very straightforward. It's, it's very good stuff. Indeed. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get that plan shipped to your door free, go to mintmobile.com slash analog. That's mintmobile.com slash analog to cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month 
mintmobile.com slash analog. A thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So I have some selfishly very, very, very good news. I hate you. That's not kind. You don't even know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I do. I can read the document. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> so as we sit here and record, it is uh, the it is Tuesday, April 6th. And on Wednesday, the 24th, I believe it was. Yes, Wednesday, the 24th, I got my first of two doses of the Moderna uh, COVID-19 vaccination. I am extremely excited about this. The relief I felt I, I don't know how to describe it, but the story was kind of fascinating and odd, and I thought maybe we could talk about it for a little bit. Um, in Virginia, <laughs> it's such a weird thing to me. In Virginia, there are four phases of vaccination rollout. There is phase 1A, which off the top of my head, and I might get these details a little wrong, but off the top of my head, phase 1A was like hospital people and like nursing home people. Phase 1B was like the next tier, of course. So it was like, um, I forget who, maybe may have been restaurant workers. Again, it doesn't, the particulars don't matter. Um, But basically people where they don't really have a lot of choice and need to be in front of other human beings. And then phase 1C is like people with underlying health conditions, um, perhaps people with like uh, lung problems, um, people who are overweight, um, things of that nature. And then after phases... 1A, 1B, and 1C, there's phase two, which is everybody. I don't understand why it couldn't have just been one, two, three, and four, but here we are. That's America for you. Um, so as of a couple of weeks ago, most of Virginia, because it's it's obviously because of we're America, not only is it state-based, but within the state, it's typically county-based. And in Virginia, most counties were in phase 1B at the time. And I get this email from a listener, uh, Jacob, at about 6.30 in the evening on Tuesday, the 23rd of March. And Jacob said, hey, I just got my vaccine and all I had to do was drive a couple hours to get it. You should check this out. I said, what, 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 what? And so we exchanged emails back and forth and Jacob says, hey, so here's the thing. There's this comparatively rural section of Virginia, which uh, for anyone who's a local down in Danville, um, which is basically on the New York or excuse me, the the North Carolina state line. Uh, In Danville, they sent a bunch of vaccines down there because they want to get it in front of people that are in rural areas. They want to get it in front of people who maybe, um, you know, aren't the the rich white folk that are often the ones to get them first. They're trying to, you know, be equitable in the vaccine rollout. Well, so they sent all these vaccines down there, but anyone who wanted one seems to have already gotten them and they have all these extras and the nurses are are saying to people, look, we have all these vaccinations. Let's just put them in arms. Tell your friends, come get them. So the nurses have gone rogue and the health department, officially speaking, is not accepting walk-ins or anything like that. Even if they are, they're supposed to be only in the appropriate phase at the appropriate time. But these nurses are looking at these vaccinations and said, and they're saying, let us give us an arm to put these vaccines in, please. And I, I, I'm, probably getting my terminology wrong. I apologize for those of you who are sticklers about vaccine versus vaccination. You you get my drift. Um, So Jacob, this listener emails me and says, Hey, you should try. And so the following morning on Wednesday, the 24th, I wake up at about five in the morning and I start my drive. And Danville is roughly 150 miles from where I am. 
which is about two hours, 45 minutes by car. Now, Mike and I have gone back and forth about this. I was, I wanted to put this, this distance in terms that Mike would understand. And so I have two different ways of doing this. Mike, last we spoke, was deeply dissatisfied with both. So I, I, I am No, I here. wasn't. I was <laughs> deeply dissatisfied with one of the ways that you decided to do All this. right. So if you are looking at central London, about 150 miles away is... Is it Taunton? T a u n t o n, which is a sure. part, which is a part of Somerset. That's like 152 miles from, from central London, or something. The, the nearest like kind of big city that even I recognized was Sheffield, which is 168 miles. So that's distance wise, approximately what we're talking about. But Mike said to me in a very well, mostly nice way, <laughs> that doesn't mean crap. Tell me a different way. No, it means nothing to me. Okay. So if you were to look at it by rail, it's approximately the same time commitment as going to Preston, which is apparently outside of Blackpool, which is also about two hours, 45 minutes away. There you go. I did have, I, I did have an issue with even the rail version. All I wanted from you, the only way that this makes sense, and universally, not just to me, but to the audience at large, just say how long it took. It's a, which is two hours, 45 minutes, or 150 there miles. There you go. That, now we have the universally acceptable <laughs> understanding of travel. Because I don't drive, right? Right. So I would take a train. And so, fine, you gave me how long it takes to take a train. Yep. But just telling me I'm going to Preston, outside of Blackpool, <laughs> like, have I taken that journey? No. I'm just so, trying to meet you on your level. Know, but just time, two hours and 45 minutes. Like, but that's all that's needed. Like what I was trying to express to you <laughs> last week when you were giving me this information and now when we're relaying it to the audience is in attempting to make that more applicable to people, you've made it less applicable <laughs> to more people. <laughs> Uh, well, that's probably true. But the point is, it's 150 miles, two hours, 45 minutes. And um, this is all still within the state of Virginia, mind you. So I haven't left Virginia to do this. I am knocking on the door of North Carolina, but I am still in Virginia. And I haven't even gone the most extreme, like Richmond is sort of kind of in the middle of Virginia. Um, and and I was going to the southern tip of Virginia, or southern, the southern border of Virginia. Uh, I If I was to go like there, there was somebody in line in front of me. I'm kind of cutting ahead in my own story. There was someone in line that had come down the day before from Northern Virginia, you know, a DC suburb. And they, their drive was like four hours again, all within Virginia. We haven't even left the state of Virginia, just to give you an idea of how massive, not only Virginia, but the United States is. So anyway, I wake up at five in the morning I get on the road and uh, I'm going on a wing and a prayer. Like this listener who I'd never in interacted with before struck me as an honest person, but you know, I, I, I don't know them from anyone uh, said, no, really you can do it. I just did. I swear you can do it. And I start looking at documentation online. I can't find anything. Um, and because of course I can't because these nurses have gone rogue. And so I say, I say to Aaron, look, you know, somebody has got to stay here with the kids. This is probably going to be a waste of time, but I will do almost anything to get this vaccine. Like I will mm -hmm. do whatever in order mm -hmm. to get this vaccine. So let me take the fall and I will go and we'll see what happens. And if it works, then you'll go either, you know, that afternoon or the next day. And she mm -hmm. said, yep, that sounds perfect. That, that let's do it. So I wake up, I go, I drive my two hours, 45 minutes. I arrive at the, uh, at an abandoned JC Penny. That is not a joke. Um, that at, at the mall, uh, that the, as you do at the mall in Danville, Virginia, and there's a line 
And it's a line almost chock full of students from the University of Virginia, which is where Jacob is <laughs> studying, and a, a handful of students from Virginia Tech, which is where I went. And that's almost everyone in line. And I get in line and I'm just hoping that this is going to work out okay. You know, I'm double masked, I'm leaving space, I'm just in line hoping. And they start saying, you know, hey, if you're here for the vaccine, just wait, blah, blah, blah. If anyone has an appointment, let's pull you to the front. But otherwise, just wait. And I'm expecting that at some point they're going to ask me in so many words, like, do you deserve to be here? And, you know, we had had opportunities all along. Like so much of this is like a self-attestation where you say, yes, I deserve a vaccine because I'm a smoker, you know, or whatever the case may be. And for a couple of months now, I had the opportunity to say, yeah, oh, I totally, I totally deserve a vaccine because I smoke. Now I don't smoke. So that would be a bold faced lie, but I could, I could say that. Uh, and, and I, and Aaron and I promised ourselves and each other, like we wouldn't lie to get a vaccine. Now, if we're never asked about any of these things, then sure. Okay. Whatever. But we're not going to outright lie. And like, I have a friend who I like very much, but he doesn't smoke tobacco. If you can pick up what I'm putting down here. And he said, yes, I'm a smoker and got his vaccine. So, um, so I didn't want to do that. That's just not my speed. And so mm -hmm. I'm waiting as I get to the front of the line for them to say, okay, are you a phase 1A, phase 1B, you know, or you, do you work in healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and, and so eventually I get to the front and they just say, you're here for the vaccine. I said, yes, please. You know, are you, did you, did you already have COVID? You know, all the standard health screening questions. And they say, okay, go over there and they'll set you up. And so sure enough, fast forward, you know, I waited in line for like an hour, but, um, fast forward. 10 minutes and I'm getting jabbed in the arm with the Moderna vaccine. And I wait my 15 minutes to make sure I don't have some sort of crazy, you know, or some sort of bananas allergic reaction. And that's that. And then I walk out and I drive home and I'm, uh, the, 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 I, I don't, I don't want to rub it in because I know that you're seeking this so much. And so I don't want to belabor it, but suffice it to say the amount of weight that just jumped right off my shoulders was indescribable. Yeah, and, and no, I, know, I know, I understand. You know, and I know that I'm not really properly vaccinated yet. I'm, I'm due to go back to Danville, which is a story in and of itself in a couple of weeks. And then I have to wait a couple of weeks. But, um, but even just knowing that I am not only am I seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm steps away from the end of the tunnel is incredible. Now, what I'm not mentioning, of course, is that our children cannot get vaccinated because they're too young. And so really this tunnel is much longer than I'm thinking it is. But the idea of being able to like go to a grocery store and not be stressed out of my mind about yeah. being there is incredible. And but it's certainly something to be said that like even if the kids can't get one for a while, like if everybody is getting them right, it brings down the likelihood of it. Exactly. around, you know, like that, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, amongst the people that we still talk to and are still talking to us <laughs> after, after differing opinions about how safe to be during COVID, um, mm. almost every, and that, that's a, probably a seven part series on analog for another time. But, um, <laughs> suffice to say those, those that still speak with us and that we still speak with, um, most of them are already vaccinated actually. So it was like Aaron and me, and Aaron's younger brother, um, we're all seeking vaccines, but we see her younger brother, whose name is Jason, and his fiance Katie quite a bit. Katie teaches, and so she had already she's already well through her second vaccination. Um, and there's a handful of other people, like my parents are are old enough that they've gotten their second vaccinations. 
Um, but it was Aaron and me and Jason that were all seeking, seeking a, a vaccination. And so finally I have my one vaccination and, and I'm just, the relief is indescribable. And so I drive my two and three quarters hours back home and Aaron and I go back and forth a little bit about what to do for her. And we decide, you know what, she and Jason are going to go down together tomorrow and they're going to wake up real early and they're going to go the next day. So Thursday, the 25th. And then that night, all H-E double hockey sticks <laughs> breaks loose and come to find out that someone at the Virginia Department of Health realized what was happening. And there, I almost said the P-I-S-S word. See, I'm all over the place today. And they're really upset. And they explain to the nurses at Danville, under no circumstances are you to accept walk-ins anymore. I have just gotten my first shot. Erin has not gotten hers yet. She's planning on going the following morning. So long, long, long story made ever so slightly shorter. She and Jason go, they drive the two and three quarters hours. They get there and they get told to pound sand. The nurses are devastated. Like when I was there, I have never seen workers so happy to do what appears to be such a, they should be doing such a boring job, right? They are overjoyed. Like, you know how at Disney World or Disneyland, like there's that kind of saccharine some of it's sometimes genuine, but some of it's just like straight saccharine where it's like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. Welcome to the most magical place on earth. Oh my God. Yay. And it's like, guys, just bring it, bring it down a notch. Would you, uh, this was true, pure joy. Like they were so excited to be putting these shots in arms. And then the following morning, Aaron and Jason show up and they get told, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry, but we just can't, we're not allowed. We can't, we just can't. And apparently like all the nurses are like in tears as they're saying this because they know like there's these vaccines sitting there. Now there's a big discussion and argument as to whether or not these vaccines are going to be thrown away or whether they just aren't going to be thawed in the first place. What are we going to do with all the vaccines that arrive there? And I'm not particularly interested in having that conversation now, but it ends up that Aaron makes this drive and, and that she has nothing to show for it. Now, as it turns out around the same time, one of the local grocery stores starts accepting uh, uh, reservations for vaccines and also does not ask any, they, they asked questions, which Aaron answered truthfully, like, are you over 65? Do you work in healthcare? Are you a teacher? Blah, blah, blah. But even after having answered truthfully, there was, they didn't take any issue with what she had answered. And so Aaron did get her first shot, uh, basically a week after me. So has your state not become one of these states? It's just like, Hey, if you can work a smartphone, you can get a vaccine. Not uh, actually sometime in the next week, I think, or in like 10 days, it's going to be like that. But at the time in which all this was happening, no. And that's why I really didn't want to lie or do anything that I felt was morally wrong or ethically wrong. And and maybe listener, you're taking issue with what I've done. and, And that's certainly you're right. I think that there is an ethical issue with what you did, but not on you. Perhaps. Because those vaccines, because I you, you shared with me an article or two. My understanding is the areas where you went to were from areas where there is a higher skepticism. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of getting vaccinated. That's a very very eloquent way of putting something I would not have put as eloquently, but yes, that is correct. And so it could be suggested that a better resource would be in trying to educate and alleviate concerns in those communities sure absolutely i don't know how much you could have done nor would i really suggest that it's your place to do it Mm -hmm. so like i'm not saying that you shouldn't have done what you did if they were otherwise going to be wasted which it seems like they were 
it is better for these shots to be given to someone. Exactly. But there is still a, I don't know, a, a weird line that I'm sure that you have come up against of like, yeah. this was meant for someone else. Uh, asterisk. In theory. Uh, yes. In, in theory. theory. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I agree with what, in theory, yes, that is true. That is something I've wrestled with, and that's why I feel like it is a little morally ethically gray. But to me, where I drew the line, definitely gray. I would. That's a good way of putting it. It's a gray area. Yeah, and where I drew the line was, I will not lie. Like if they had yeah. asked me, "Do you believe? You know, do you work in healthcare? Do you smoke? Are you overweight? Whatever the case may be," I would have said no, and I would have made that almost three-hour drive back home with no, nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was never asked. Aaron was never asked when she signed up at the pharmacy website. Um, and, and so I feel in my personal code of ethics and morals and so on, I feel like it's okay. Um, but I, I could totally hear if you're listener, if you're hearing this and thinking, wow, I'm a big selfish jerk. I mean, I, I could make that argument as well. I don't believe it, but I could make that argument. If I was faced with the same set of circumstances that you were, mm-hmm. I would do everything you did. <laughs> well, that does make me feel better. It really honestly does. And, and I appreciate I, that would assume the vast majority of people listening to this show would do the same. And I, I would, you know, I'm sure that there are people that have their own lines, but I'm just saying I, I would expect that the vast majority of people would do the same thing. Yeah, I, I think so. And certainly there is a tremendous amount of privilege here in that I could just on a whim drop everything and drive six hours round trip in order to try to get a vaccine. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that don't have that luxury. And, and I fully recognize that. And it's absolutely true. Um, but I, for the way I look at it is what you had said a moment ago, like a, a combination of me not lying in addition to getting shots in arms is good for everyone. It is like, that's the, mm-hmm. the faster everyone gets vaccinated or as many people as willing the faster we all pull out of this. And so mm-hmm. I feel like it's okay. Um, and if you listener, if you disagree, uh, if, please feel free to keep that to yourself. But if you really want to reach out, you can find me on Twitter and, and we can get in an argument about it, or hopefully I'll be smart enough not to engage, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, so progress is being made. I am overjoyed that at least for the things that we still feel like we have to do, like for example, Aaron is, as we speak, making a Costco run. That is something that was deeply stressful before. And now we've brought that back to just plain stressful. (laughs) It's, it's a, it's an improvement and I'm really excited about that. And so, um, I'm really, I'm really pleased as, as God awful as our handling of COVID was up until the point in which vaccine rollout became a thing. I feel like as bad as America was with masks, as bad as America was with being, I don't know anything but selfish as bad as we've been in so many ways, as bad as that, as the prior administration has been and having almost no leadership whatsoever. I feel like this at least we're getting right. And Virginia is opening up to everyone, um, by April 18th. Thanks to Matt in the uh, chat. So I, it, as it turns out, I wouldn't have had to wait as long as I thought, because I, at the time in which we each went, we thought it wasn't going to be until like May one, Granted, that's still only a couple of weeks later, but nevertheless, I just wanted to get a shot in my arm as quick as I could and Aaron's arm as quick as we could. And hopefully the studies will be done for kiddos so they can get shots, you know, sooner rather than later, but we'll see what happens. Um, I'm curious, however, since, since, you know, the United States on the whole seems to be getting to the point that we're almost opened up 
to everyone. You know, it's again, state by state, but many states are saying, you know, 16 and up, bring them, bring them on. I am curious to hear uh, what is the situation in the UK right now? So it is safe to say that the optimism I had in our last episode has changed because vaccinations have slowed down here a bit. Um, so my hope of end of April is not going to be the case, it seems. Uh, I'm still hoping that sometime in May I will get my vaccination. So like overall, the country's doing great. We're still on track for our everyone will get one by the end of July mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But the we were really pulling ahead of our targets. Mm-hmm. And for various reasons that I am not going to get into today because I I don't think it's worth it. True. Uh, there has been a reduction in the amount of vaccines that we have and may be likely to get here in the UK. And now there are different sourcing uh, different sourcing is going on here I see. from other places. Um, and so, so there's been a bit, it's been a bit up in the air and I frankly am really annoyed about it. Um, mm. But you know, you everyone can draw their own conclusions. I'm not getting into any detail about this. Sure. The United Kingdom is still doing really great. Like oh, good. Good, by good. percentage of population, we're still one of the top in the world. It's funny, by percentage of population for the data that I've been looking into, we're still ahead of America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I have this weird thing where so many Americans that I know have had their vaccines, but it's not the same <laughs> for British people because sure. we are still following the age range mm-hmm. method, mm-hmm. right? So there isn't this like, come and get your vaccines, right? right like, right, right, which right. is what now there is an element of this. So, in some instances, vaccines are offered to people in local communities in a similar way that you have. I know a couple of people that have been able to get vaccines um, a little earlier, like maybe they were in a moderate health risk and they've gotten one quicker than they would have otherwise Mm -hmm. because there have been uh, surpluses but a lot of the UK the larger areas in the UK are being vaccinated with central vaccination centers and Mm -hmm. then some of the smaller areas it's it's being done by local um, doctors surgeries and pharmacies yep and so there, I think there's a, there is a little bit more flexibility. Um, but overall, it still is very much here. Like, uh, I think by the end, I think I read something uh, today, which is like by the middle of April, everyone over 50 will have been offered. And then it's probably going to go to 40 and then I guess to 30. So my hope, fingers crossed, is still in May. Um, and then you've got all, and now the, one of the other things that started happening, which is reducing the first doses is that a lot of the second doses are starting now, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So we're now beginning to second dose the first people. So it reduces the amount of first doses, but nevertheless, they're still targeting the same date because we got so far ahead up until the end of March even though when April is going to be a bit of a slump mm-hmm. in the amount of vaccines that we actually have arriving in the country, we're picking up on that um, that first 
you know, we're, we're still, we, we, we got ahead of ourselves so that we can take a little bit of a hit until we then move forward. And again, like, you know, we're doing, I think at the moment in the UK, all of the vaccines that we have are two-dose vaccines. The Johnson & Johnson one is going to be approved here, but I don't know how many people that will realistically go to because it seems like we have... It seems like we've ordered all of the vaccines here. <laughs> this is So if people wondering on a very base level, why is the UK doing so well, especially compared to Europe, right? Because like Europe is struggling. The United Kingdom ordered everything and put a lot of money into it, <laughs> right? So as far as I'm aware, the United Kingdom ordered vaccines from everyone, right? So mm -hmm. we are currently administering, AstraZeneca is our big one, uh, but Pfizer uh, we are doing. Moderna is arriving next week. Um, and we're getting ready to approve the Johnson & Johnson one. And now there's this other one, which begins with a V that I don't remember, which we're actually going to start actually bottling here. And oh, wow. if you would call it that, that's not the phrase, but, um, and then distributing it. And this is one of the ways that we're getting around some of the issues in supply that have started to crop up, um, is that we're actually going to start finalizing some of vaccines in the United Kingdom to then be distributed in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot going on. And so the, the move is still happening. The thing that's frustrating me is that it feels so tantalizingly close now. Yep. Mm -hmm. that that's what's getting to me more. I actually feel more daily anxiety about COVID now than I have in maybe the last 11 months. Yeah. I, I kind of feel about it like I did like in March of 2020, April of 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it feels like I'm so tantalizingly close to getting the vaccine that it's, as Kate just said in the chat, so close yet so far. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really hoping that maybe I've said this last time, but within the next six, six weeks, I will get my first dose and I will be so freaking happy to get it. Yeah. Because there's things I want to do later on in the year and I'm probably, well, and I will want to be both jabbed before I can do it. <laughs> uh, and there are time delays for it that like if it if it goes on too far i'm i'm not going to be able to get both of them in time for it so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i totally hear that yeah i have a, a <sighs> friend that's an american expat that has been spending most of um most of covid times in in the in europe in continental europe and the rumblings I've heard from him are that, you know, when am I getting my vaccine? LOL 2022 question mark. You know, like yeah, it's, talking it's with, bad. With Federico is, is something is a little bit like that right now, too. Uh, it seems like it super sucks if you are in. Uh, if you're in the European Union, like mm -hmm. things about I mean, there are other countries in the world that are struggling, too, I think. Uh, I believe India is is having well. India is just is just with COVID in general is is pretty bad right now. But I can imagine it must really get to you if you're in Europe and you're looking at the UK and America mm -hmm. um, and wondering what on earth is going on. Right? Like I 
really understand that feeling because like I even have a little bit of that feeling looking at America, right? Totally. It's purely just because people in my age group are getting vaccinated at a faster rate there. Um, and, and I am intrigued to see how this is going to end up shaking out because like I, I made the joke about if you can use a smartphone, you can get a vaccine. And, and I do think that there is, it seems like there is an element of that, right? Where yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Bec- if you open up and you open it up with online bookings, you will vaccinate younger people faster. And then I wonder how it will be handled then for some of the older people um, in your communities. And, and that's like, the with the difference being here is that it's all being run by the NHS, right? No private pharmacies are doing this. Or like, like, if any private pharmacies are doing it, it's because the NHS has told them they can. You know, like it's a right, very right, right. different system. And similarly, right? Like, uh, even though we have devolved governments here, they're moving on the similar track, right? Like Scotland and England and Wales and Northern Ireland, they're like moving in this in a similar flow, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like at least so far, you know, Scotland hasn't been like, all right, come on, come on down, right? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not happening. Yeah, and yeah. that's, you know, that is, seems to be the way in America. It's like the, the the president announced that it would be, was it sometime May, May 1st, they were mm-hmm. going to just mm-hmm. open it up. But then a bunch of states were just like, eh, we'll just do it now. Which is, you know, super great for people living in those environments. And, and what I'm saying, I'm not criticizing the American system. I actually think there are merits and disadvantages to both the way it's done here and the way Agreed. it's being done there. Mm-hmm. But I think what became apparent very fast is that the method that we are employing here was not working in America. Yeah. Right? Like I think it was New York, especially if I'm remembering right, was trying to do the age-based thing and just vaccines were just going to waste. I don't know if I've got that exact city correct, but I, I had heard stories that like they were trying to do the let's do the age based thing and it just wasn't it just didn't seem to be working out, at least in the way that it at least appears to be working out here. So there are I think there are two valid paths to take. And you know, I think that there are merits and disadvantages to both. Like maybe potentially the disadvantages of the system that is being undertaken in America might come later. Mm-hmm. where you realize that there are certain portions of the population that aren't vaccinated, yeah. right? So we'll yeah. find out. We shall see. A real-time follow-up I forgot to mention, uh, and Tony reminded me in the chat. Um, I think I could schedule my second dose somewhere local so I don't have to do the nearly three-hour drive there and back um, for yeah, my second you're dose. you're in the system now, right? Right, but... I basically just let the system be the system and it, after a day or two said, okay, we need to schedule your second dose. Here's your options of days. And it gave me one day. Here's your options of places. Back to Danville. And so. Eh, Don't, don't fight it. Right. Just go get it done. Yeah. This is your uh, penalty for taking the advantage. Yep. No, I, I seriously, I was just about to say in order to offset any like bad karma or whatever that I (laughs) might've put in the world by, by going there, 
the way I figure it is, I'm just going to go back there and not mess with the system. Um, there's an argument to be made that honestly, I don't really believe, but there's an argument to be made that if I go somewhere else, it's like wasting, it's like taking it from somebody else locally. And then it's wasting the one that's there again. I don't really think I buy that, but nevertheless, uh, I think in order to offset whatever bad karma I may have introduced, I'm just going to make that drive again. Well, no, it seems like the, the health board has an a have an appointment for you like that vaccine that second vaccine that's yours like that one is for you they've assigned that one for you where the first one wasn't right the first one was you took advantage of uh, availability but this second one that's casey lists vaccine right you know and so i figure rather than continue to screw with the system i'm just gonna go ahead and do what ostensibly I should at this point, and I'm just going to go down there and get it. So uh, I, I had meant to mention that earlier and completely forgot. So the bad news is Aaron, for Erin is that she didn't get her vaccination the day after me, but the good news is both of her shots are local, and I'm yeah. driving three hours each way for mine. So yeah, she, I, I actually think that Erin got the better deal, ultimately. I think you you're probably right. Wait a couple of extra days. Yep. Like how many more days was it? It was, I went on a Wednesday, on Wednesday the 25th, I believe it was. Is that right? 24th, I'm sorry. I went on Wednesday the 24th. She went on Tuesday the 30th. So just under a week. Yeah, because you're losing what's best, better part of two days. Yeah, yeah. To, to like to do the there and back drive twice. That is right? true. However, I did not mention that there is a chain restaurant, and I am a sucker for a chain oh, restaurant. Here we Hold go. on. Yep, here we go. There's a chain restaurant. This is the most American thing I've ever heard in my life called Biscuitville. And I'm not talking Cookieville. Nice. I'm no, talking like you know, know Southern Biscuitville. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they exist in Virginia, but nowhere near me. And so I used that. I, I, I drove by Biscuitville on the way to the abandoned JCPenney. And uh, I immediately, upon leaving and you know shedding a tear about how happy I was, I went to Biscuitville and, and collected uh, a, a breakfast sandwich for myself and then some extras to bring home. Um, and so I'm going to treat myself to lunch there, uh, on my return trip and get me like a bacon, egg and cheese biscuit or something like that. Um, because it is delicious. Do some work in the parking lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. The old Casey list method. Uh, why not? Um, but anyway, but Biscuitville is a, is a rare treat that I haven't had in 10 plus years. And, uh, and so yeah, unfortunately it's no, it's not in the like more civilized areas of Virginia. Like there's one in Lynchburg for those who are from this area. There's one in Lynchburg there, there's one or two in Lynchburg. There's several in the Danville area. So, uh, I'm very excited to go get Biscuitville, but even more than that, I'm excited to get my second shot and, and not have to stress about this 24 seven anymore. But you know, what's not stressful, Mike? No. Express VPN, not stressful ah. at all. Not at all. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, it was easy to be a private person. But what's changed now? The internet. Think about everything that you've browsed or searched for, watched or tweeted. The sad truth is this data can be crawled through, collected, aggregated by third parties. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities would worry about. But in an era where everyone's online, we're all public figures. To keep your data private when you go online, turn to ExpressVPN because there are hundreds of data brokers out there and their sole business is to buy and sell your data. The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or even get your consent for it. 
One of these data points is your IP address, which is used to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and your IP address is masked. Frankly, one of the things for this is if you do not want to receive all these personalized ads, they can sometimes feel a bit creepy. This is the type of thing that ExpressVPN can help you avoid if that's something that you want. So when you turn on ExpressVPN, you're given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify individual people and harvest their data. The best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop, or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. I had a real great use for ExpressVPN in preparing for this show. You had sent me some articles that were for local publications. Yeah, we'll put links in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when I tried to visit them, it wouldn't let me. It said... You are not allowed to visit this website because you you don't live here. And mm, so I turned mm-hmm. on ExpressVPN, changed my location to the United States, and I could read the articles. Super nice. simple. It's very useful. It's a great thing for me. So if, like me, you believe your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Go to expressvpn.com slash analog and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash analog. One last time, expressvpn.com slash analog to learn more and sign up. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and FM. So uh, in the chat, uh, Mrs. Soup asked, uh, you know, if I'd gotten my fancy pants COVID vaccine card that, you know, you have to put on social media. Otherwise, the vaccine doesn't kick in. Yeah. Um, why didn't you post about it? Because I, I because I feel a little guilty about it because, I mean, I kind of jumped the line a bit. So I feel guilty and I didn't and I didn't want to like. And plus, I also know that when I you know, I, this is all going to sound like BS since I just spent 20 minutes talking about it on a podcast, but when I was watching a lot of our mutual friends get vaccinated, I was so jealous and I was mm-hmm. so sad that at the time. Oh, it's a big jealousy thing. This isn't like the voting thing. I don't feel jealous of people voting, right? Right, <laughs> right exactly. Uh, and, and at the time I felt like, man, I'm, I, I, one day I'll get it, but that's not for probably a month plus. And so I just feel like as much as I totally understand anyone who posted it and totally understand being overjoyed about it because God knows I was and am. Uh, but it just, it seemed like I, I didn't need to advertise it that I had kind of sort of jumped the line. So you just spoke about it for 25 minutes. Exactly. This is why I said it's all for naught. <laughs> it it yeah. all sounds like BS, but, uh, but Mrs. Soup asked, you know, did I get this card? And it's funny because just last night I had a dream that I'd gone back to Danville in order to get my second shot was at the very front of the line. And at that moment they said, okay, we need your card, please. And I went, <gasps> it's at home. So in this dream, I would have had to have gone all the way back, you know, to Richmond, grabbed it, gone all the way back to Danville. Oh, God, it was terrible. Do you have, okay, we may potentially walking into very treacherous waters here. Oh, no. Okay. Do you have any opinions on vaccine passports? Oh, is this a thing where you like have to prove that you've been vaccinated or something like that in order to travel internationally or something along those lines? Yeah, and or like I know that there are um, trials here uh, for having proof of vaccination in some way to go to events and stuff. All right, we're definitely stepping on it now. This is really rocky waters, by the way. So, you know, something that I've heard or seen uh, Ben Thompson of Stratechery talk about, I don't remember the context in which he was talking about this, but it may have been COVID related. But one of the things he said is that Americans, no, I don't think it was COVID related, actually. Americans um, 
have this like innate, um, not need, but like belief that like personal freedoms trump almost everything. And I think I have that in me as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's very hard for me to reconcile my kind of perhaps uniquely American, but certainly honest belief that everyone should be allowed to do what they want to do while also trying to trying to reconcile the fact that I think it is barbaric not to get vaccinated if you have the option. And unless, you know, unless you have some weird situation where for some reason you couldn't get the vaccination because of like a medical issue, uh, outside of that, it seems extremely selfish and barbaric not to get vaccinated. And I don't understand why one wouldn't. I feel like with any kind of, um, let's imagine application-based vaccine system, like a passport system, if you legitimately cannot be vaccinated for health reasons, you would get a quote-unquote pass. Right, right. Right? To be like, the system should be like, this person cannot, legitimately cannot be vaccinated, therefore, let them in. Yep. And like, I don't see why that would be an issue to implement. But like, let's even, so just yesterday, I think it was, there was a, an American baseball game, uh, I think in Texas, I, I don't pay attention to baseball, but there was a baseball game, I want to say in Texas, where there were like 40,000 people, people in the stands, most of whom yep. were not masked and presumably very few of whom were vaccinated. And like, I'm getting the shakes just thinking about that, like that, no, no. There's no chance I would even consider going to like a minor league baseball game. We have a minor league baseball team here in Richmond. Uh, there's been flying squirrels, actually. And that's not a joke. And I wouldn't even go there presently. You know, like mm. I can't imagine doing that unless if you told me that you had verified that, you know, 98% of the people in the stands were vaccinated and the other 2% couldn't be, then okay, maybe I'd think about it. And so that's many words to say. In my personal opinion, yeah, if you need to be vaccinated to travel, if you need to be vaccinated to go to a concert, fine. Proof of vaccination for travel exists for certain locations. Yeah. Like, there are some places in the world that you have to go to and get specific vaccinations before you leave and prove you've gotten them, right? So, like, it's not a new thing. So, here's my opinion on this I'm fine with it. Now, I am very aware of the potential creep on something like this, right? That like you do this and then what do you do next, right? Yeah. But just in its, like what I'm saying I'm fine with is the very specific thing of proof digitally that I have had my COVID vaccination. That's all I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. A pass in the passbook app, right? To be like, right. this is a globally recognized proof that this guy has had his vaccination. So therefore, I can travel to other places, I don't need to quarantine for two weeks, all that kind of stuff. That kind of thing, I'm fine with, right? Yeah, same. As Kate has suggested in the chat, find a way to build it into the health app or whatever, right? Like, I think that for me personally, I think it's fine. I'm also, I think if we're gonna have indoor large-scale events like concerts and stuff, for a time being, we would need to to go for this too. Like I saw a proposal from this private company 
about like you could do it in such a way that you would never have to show someone if you've had the vaccination or not if it's just a QR code that's scanned and you're allowed in. And that mm-hmm. could be like, so if you are medically exempt in this system, you would just scan and it would let you in. And it's not saying whether you've had the vaccines or not, just that the system says you're good, right? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. the idea of a stigma of, I can't have the vaccine, but I am allowed in because I'm medically exempt is removed under this type of system where it's just a like a, like a blanket yes or no for this person. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I, yet there are a lot of uh, sticky elements to this, but just at a fundamental level, this is what it's going to take. And the way that I kind of feel about it is if you don't want to do this, Right, like if this happens, you don't want to do this. That's okay, but then you also need to accept that you can't do these things, which maybe you, which you wouldn't be able to do if there wasn't this system, right? So, like a lot of things are only going to be possible if we know if people have been vaccinated, and therefore, if you can prove you're vaccinated, you maybe get to do these things again sooner. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. It's it's tricky. Like I understand how tricky it is, but like. What else are we going to do, right? A thousand percent. And, you know, Matt in the chat said actions have consequences. And, you know, the corollary to that is inaction also has different consequences. And mm-hmm. if you if you refuse to take, take get the vaccine, then I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to be around you. I don't want more, more than anything. I don't want my kids to be around you. Like, because. Yeah, but the, like, the funny thing about this as well, like, I know this is different for your kids, but you are the risk to yourself. Yeah, that's true. If I'm fully vaccinated. <laughs> and you're not, and I'm carrying it, and I give it to you, it's no problem for me, is it? Right. You decided you didn't want to do this. So I, you know, it's like one of these things, it's like I don't know what to suggest to people in in these situations. And like, and as I say, I understand, like, it is really difficult if you can't get this done and your life will be impeded in all of these ways and you will have you will be taking for a long period of time any risk. And I hope that you, you know, I hope people plan in their lives for that. Like, I don't, I don't really know what to suggest. It, it sucks that there will be certain people who this past year is going to go on for another couple of years for them. You know, like mm-hmm. I might be able to take a vacation because I've had my vaccinations and can prove it. But yep. if you can't be vaccinated, then that's going to be a while for you. But but my honestly, my, my honest feeling on this is that the amount of people that legitimately can't be vaccinated is a very small number compared to the amount of people that will just choose not to. Yep, 1,000% agree. And if everybody that can legitimately have one has one, then the people that medically cannot, the risk to them is surely going to be significantly lower. Like, our COVID numbers are going down here based on the fact that we've been in lockdown. Uh, Retail and outdoor dining is going to be opening up on April 12th. All of that stuff's been closed, and they're the only things that will be opening. But that plus our vaccinations is what's driving our numbers back down again. Yep, yep. Science, man, works. Who knew? Uh Uh-huh. All right. Um, this is kind of tangentially related, and I feel like this has already been the Casey episode, so I'm going to try to make this quick. But 
I saw a tweet from our mutual friend in front of the show, James Thompson, uh, a couple of weeks back, and we'll put the tweet in the show notes, but it reads, please spare me from the news stories about how amazingly creative people have been in the past year of lockdown and all the fascinating projects they have completed. My lockdown hobbies have been, quote, not dying, quote, and, quote, not losing my mind, quote, and I've been pretty garbage at the latter. (laughs) I thought this was so, so well done. And such a perfect tweet. And it rang so true for me because for the last most of quarantine, I don't remember exactly when I really picked this up, but for most of quarantine, I've been working on a new iPhone app. And I'm not particularly interested in talking about the particulars of the app at the moment. But suffice to say, it's not that complicated an app, at least not at on the surface. Um, once I tell you that I plan to support the watch and I plan to support widgets and complications and so on and so forth, it starts to get kind of complicated kind of quickly. But on the surface, on the surface, this app is like a couple of gauges about health. And that's about it. So like, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like the sort of app that I should be working on for months. And I've been working on it for months. Mm-hmm. And Seeing James's tweet, I loved it in part because it made me feel less awful about myself. But it also, it just, it struck a chord in me that even though I really haven't had any legitimate excuse for having a difficult time getting anything done lately, I have had a bear of a time getting anything productive done lately. And I don't know, maybe there's not much here other than me just lamenting to, to you and to the, to the audience But I just wanted to say that I'm glad I'm not the only human being that I feel like I have nothing to show for the last year. I mean, I do, Mm. I do, but I feel like I have nothing and nothing extra and and nothing extra. And I don't know. I just, I feel like I've just been treading water and I'm not proud of that, especially since of all the people in the world that should be like, Oh, okay. What's different. It's me. Like what happened before pandemic? I worked at home for me. What's happened during pandemic? I work at home for me. With no, (laughs) no things that take you away from home. Right. And it's like, it's, I have no, I'm going to say legitimate. I don't mean that because obviously, I mean, the chat is being very kind and saying the pandemic is a legitimate, legitimate excuse. And I kind of hope so, but like on paper, I have no legitimate excuse for having nothing to show for the last year. And, and I'm starting and I'm embarrassed by it for sure. And I'm starting to get a little angry at myself for it, um, that I don't have more to show for it. And, and, and I don't know, I just, I I look at like you, for example, and it certainly seems to me like you've had a lot of things to show from the last year. Not only have you kept an entire business running, but wasn't like you launched a lot of membership during COVID, didn't you? Like Right, but yeah, but I'm not the right person to talk to because, all right, so like the last 12 months have probably been the busiest 12 months of my entire self-employed career. Mm-hmm. But part of that is in needing to save my self-employed career, right? Fair, yeah. So like a lot of the work that I've added on and additionally, like the membership content and stuff was created as a, uh-oh, kind of, that was the response, right? Uh-oh, yeah, yeah. what's going to happen to advertising? So I've, you know, I have worked more hours and harder and all that kind of stuff in the last 12 months than I have in ever. And these things have now become part of my flow. And, and as the world returns to normal, 
uh, I'm going to have to start making some changes to additional or like things that are maybe more just things for me than I have before. Because at the same time, like I've also used the last 12 months uh, to really kind of grow another business, right? In mm, Cortex mm -hmm, brand and mm -hmm. what we're doing with that and where we're going with that. And, you know, like at the moment, I'm splitting like my non-recording time. It's nearly 50-50 in my time spent on mm -hmm. those two things. Yep. And that isn't a reduction of one, that's an addition of another. <laughs> right. So, so how so how know. can you handle that? And how can you I mean I hear what you're saying, don't get me wrong, and I understand what you're saying about saving the self-employment and so on and so forth, but it's so hard for me to look at you just doing an incredible job and looking at me staring at my iMac saying, "Oh, I guess I should try to write code again today, just like I tried and failed yesterday." Everyone's different. I know. That's that's the answer. Like, yeah, I freak out all the time, but for me, those kinds of things don't stop me from doing... I'm very good at working to obligation, you know? And, and mm -hmm. a lot of my work is that, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have deadlines and I have people waiting on me. Um, and that that works for me. Like, it's... Everybody's built differently and... But one of the ways that I've dealt with the pandemic is to do more work. That's just, that's helped me. That's, and that's just how I am. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of jealous of that. I, I kind of wish I was more your way. Yeah, don't be. Like, whatever, man. Like, you've gotten through <laughs> it, haven't you? Well, yes, but I don't feel like I've, I, I, I've gotten through it successfully in the, in the sense that I have not died yet and I have not completely lost my mind. Um, but I haven't gotten through it successfully in that I don't really have anything to show for it. Right. But so then yeah, I don't know how helpful this is probably isn't, but if you're feeling bad about this, then do something about that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like if you're feeling bad about it to the point where you're feeling bad about not doing it, then maybe do a little bit more. Yeah, you know, it sounds stupid, but you're exactly right. I think what James is saying is just like if I is like just the generic of like having done less this year, but mm -hmm. you're being frustrated about a specific thing that you've done less on. So just do a little bit more on it and you might feel better. Yeah. And Ryan in the know. chat phrased it really well. Uh, he said, treading water in a whirlpool is still impressive. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I like that a lot. And I'm going to go with that. Um, mm. But. I, I don't know. I just, I, I feel real guilty and, and I, and I'm very, and I, and I admire, and I'm also jealous of how well you have done, uh, with, with your pandemic and your work output. And, and, uh, I'm really hopeful that I'm going to get this app out the door sooner rather than later. Um, but it's, it's just been, it's been tough. Um, and I just wanted to share that publicly for those who are feeling like me, and completely useless. <laughs> it's, I also feel useless. Uh, but you know what uh, is really awesome is if I did want to 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 do something productive, like if Xcode yep. isn't working for me and I wanted to do some, something productive, and if perhaps I wanted to set up like a website for this forthcoming mm -hmm. app, which is currently called Goaltender, we'll see if I stick with that or not. It's a good name. I know, I know a really good place I could do that. Do you happen to know of any places I could do this sort of thing? Squarespace, and oh, I actually did idea. something similar to what you're describing. 
So you, you can make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. You can take advantage of a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more to create that next home for your projects online. And I did just this. Like I, I had a bit of time recently and I wanted a little project for an afternoon. And I thought to myself, I have a website. It's mikehurley.net. It's like my and it's nothing, you know, it, at one point it was a blog and then I used it to make some announcements. And that web page, you go there and what it would take you to was a blog entry uh, from 2014. That was like, <laughs> and it's been that way up until like a week ago. And I thought to myself, you know what I want to do? Like, I, and I know Squarespace is good for this, like to create like personal landing pages, like kind of like portfolio like pages. Mm -hmm. So I went in and I tried out one of their templates for this and it already had everything that I needed and I dropped in a little gallery of stuff and now I have this website which is just purely, hey, this is me, this is what I do, these are all my things. If you want to find out more about them, click one of these images. Super, super simple, very easy, nice, nice. Whether you want to create an online store, a portfolio page, or a blog, no matter what it is, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to let you do it. There's nothing to install, there's nothing to patch, nothing to upgrade. You don't have to worry about any of this. Squarespace has got you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab the unique domain name that you want to point your people to your website and all of their beautiful templates are really wonderful to, they're easy to customize as well like i was able to go in change some coloring change some fonts and stuff like that you can go and sign up for a trial today with no credit card required just go to squarespace.com analog then when you decide to sign up use the offer code analog to get 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show once again that's squarespace.com analog and the code analog for 10 percent off your first purchase a thanks to squarespace for their continued support of this show and all of relay fm squarespace make your next move make your next website Mike, I owe you I owe you and the listeners an apology. I tried to do an old school episode of Analog, and I have procrastinated for roughly an hour before talking about the one true purpose of Analog, which is F1 and Drive to Survive. Ah, yes. It is time. So you we've both watched all of season three of Drive to Survive. Yep. Right? We certainly have. I feel like maybe we don't need to explain anymore what Drive to Survive is, but just if... This is the first episode of Analog you've listened to. Uh, Drive to Survive is a documentary series about Formula One, which is car racing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a, a motorsport. Uh, and there's been three seasons of Drive to Survive. And basically, kind of a couple of weeks before the next Formula One season begins, they publish this documentary of the previous season um and so drive to survive season three came out a couple of weeks ago before the first race weekend uh, of the of this year's calendar yep and i loved it just like before um my recollection is that aaron at most casually watched prior uh prior ver prior seasons of the show and this time she was all in like watched it with me the whole time which i loved because now you know we're she's getting into f1 as well as i am uh, and that's really awesome that we get to share that. Uh, I loved it. I'm stealing some of Mike's thunder here. Uh, Mike had written in the show notes that, you know, there was so much to choose from last season between uh, COVID and and the disaster that's Ferrari and and Pierre Gasly winning and, and You're goodness, just stealing the, my list the, of a completely different thing right now. 
Why? This is so unfair because the, the 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 list that you're taking from is something a very specific point that oh, I have. You're right. You're right. <laughs> which is that they covered all of the major themes that I wanted. That's yes, my specific list of what happened with COVID, what on earth happened to Ferrari in their season when Romain Grosjean nearly lost his life and Pierre Gasly winning a race. They were like the four things that I really wanted. But one of the big differences from this season of Drive to Survive to others is they did not have to try and find any stories. The stories were apparent. They were in front of the world. And they left out huge storylines for things that in previous seasons would have made full episodes, like George Russell's race when he raced in place of Lewis. I I was convinced that they were going to make an episode about that, an episode that I didn't want to see because it would have been too upsetting for me. And (laughs) it only kind of briefly got mentioned because there were so many other stories to tell. I mean, I think that's what ended up making this season my favorite season of the show so far um, because the just the source material was so good. I mean, and this is similar to like the first season of the show had a lot of drama around drivers moving unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then season two, it kind of seemed like maybe there, you know, there maybe wasn't as much to pick from. Um, And they, they focused in on a few things and, and there was that I enjoyed season two, but for me, my ranking is season three, season one, season two, and like the ones that I enjoyed the most. I mean, this is just fantastic. Uh, One of the things that I really appreciated is that it would have been so easy to keep banging the drum of COVID throughout the entire documentary, Yep, but they cover it in one episode and then the rest of the season they barely focus on it. Like it's yeah. there. You can see the effect, but they don't keep talking about like because of COVID, because of COVID, right? And the first episode of the season is the like what happened when, like, because, you know, Formula One uh, was one of the first things. Like in that week, like there was that day, right, where like the NBA season got canceled mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That was the same weekend that the first Formula One race got cancelled. Everyone was in Australia, which is where the season typically begins. Uh, And you see it like a couple of days before, they're all making jokes about it. Um, They're like, no one's wearing masks, right? They're just like, "Ah, whatever, right? Like, ah, it's like uh the hand sanitizer, you know, like basically all of the jokes everyone was making when we weren't taking it seriously because it didn't seem like we were going to be affected by it at large scale, right? Yep. Like, and then everything just grinds to a halt. And then what I like in the second part of the episode is just lots of empty rooms, right? Like they go to places, like they go to the McLaren head office and it's empty, right? Like, and they kind of show the effect. So yeah, I, I thought that that episode was great. And and I re- I just really liked that it didn't keep coming up because I think it would have been wasted because it was a legitimately interesting season irrespective of the effects that COVID had on it. Yep, couldn't agree more. I agree with everything Formula One said. made it work, right? Yep. Like, Formula One was was one of the first sports to go on, and I think one of the sports that was the least affected. Like, they seemed to have the system down to making Formula One a reality. And it's also one of the sports that would be least affected because it's a different kind of makeup to how the sport works. And they were able, I think, to put it on and make it happen in a way that a lot of other sports, especially team sports, couldn't. Yep, yep. It it did seem after they came back that it was basically business as usual, which was surprising and impressive. But yeah, the season, 
I thought the season was really good. Um, I really enjoyed it. I definitely recommend it. As I've said on the show many times, F1 didn't really click to me until I started to understand the kind of more dramatic aspects of it and the more like interpersonal stuff of it. Um, and you can make an argument that Drive to Survive turns F1, and I don't mean this dismissively, but turns it into pro wrestling. And I know of all people, that's actually appealing to you, Mike. Well, but there is a pro wrestling element to it. And right. The, the, the pro wrestling element to anything is just how much drama or melodrama there is. Right. You know? and, and, so, and I have a friend that has been following F1 for like 20 years, and he hates Drive to Survive because he feels like it's... Oh, this really annoys me. I, I, this it annoys me too, people. actually. Yep. Where they're like, oh, like I see this, like people say, oh, they edited in a reaction here. Like if you look, you'll see that this guy was wearing three different masks, and it's supposed to, they're making like a heightened drama. Thing. Like, come, just suspend your disbelief. It's all true, right? Like all of the things they're showing happened, but they just heighten the drama a little bit by picking and choosing some reactions from people, like the facts are in front of you. Like, you know, they, they don't like fabricate a winner, right? Right. Or like, right. there's a thing where they do all the time where like somebody crashes, right? And they extend the period of time on the team radio from when the person crashes and they say, are you okay? For them to answer and say, yeah, I'm okay. Like, just accept <laughs> that they're just heightening the drama a yep. little bit. Like, just, you know, like, come on. I don't yeah, know why people get so upset about it. Well, and, and his perspective is, oh, they're they're creating drama where there is no drama. And I disagree with that. I don't think that's the case at all. I, I the drama the same... is there. They yep. are just using like filmmaking techniques to show that to you, right? Where like if you don't, if you're not in it, you maybe don't have the stakes, right? And like yep. if you super know F1, then great. But then also probably show's not for you, right? Like I, I feel exactly. like <laughs> I'm I'm really getting the sense that this show has done wonders for Formula One. Agreed. I, I absolutely agree. Because the more communities in the sport that I am like getting into or paying attention to, people keep talking about like, I was a lapsed fan and Drive to Survive brought me back. Or like, I never thought I'd care about it, but Drive to Survive brought me in, you know? Yep. I completely agree with you. And uh, I, I love it. And I cannot recommend it enough for all the reasons you just just described. I think it's really well done. I think it's really great. Um, very quickly, what did you think of the Gross John episode? Because I, I thought it was good, but I think the nerd in me wanted to know more about like what happened, how it happened. I wanted to hear more about like the halo and, yeah, and some I'm of the sure reactions. Yeah, I'm sure allowed to know about it, right? Like I'm uh, sure fair, that there's fair. like a million different safety uh, investigations still pending and you know what I mean? And also like, I don't know how much they would go into. What I really liked about the Grosjean episode uh, was that they brought his wife in mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. have a conversation. I believe her name is Marianne, Marianne Grosjean. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, and I just really valued bringing her in Agreed. to the conversation. There mm -hmm. was one part of it that I really didn't like where he talks about how like now he understands the, like what the risk he was putting on his family and stuff. Uh, but now he's racing in IndyCar now. <laughs> it's like, Roman, you said you weren't going to do yeah, this anymore. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. an IndyCar driver now. Well, and you know, in every, if, if every racing movie that's ever been made is is to be believed, then it's just some innate thing that just can't be turned off, that they just need to do it. Right, but he know. kind of addresses that, right? Yeah. Of like, this is a thing that is in us, but I'd never understood 
what it was doing to my family. Because yep. like she talks about, it's like two minutes and 30 seconds where she believes he has died. Yep. Which is just like killer, like tears in my eyes moment, big mm-hmm. time. And so I was kind of like, he's changed. And then like, I don't know. And I get it, right? These people are built that way. You know, like it's, it's the same, like if you are made for a thing, you believe it's your thing, uh, you, and someone tries to take it away from you or it's taken away from you, all you want to do is do it again. And I'm sure that like, <laughs> if there was some kind of medical thing, which is like someone was like, Mike, you got to stop talking. You know, I'll be like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I've got to talk. And then all of a sudden I'll start doing some quiet podcast or something, you know, right. <laughs> a little, just shorter. So I'm talking less. So like, I understand it, but it was still kind of like just watching it. And he said this thing and it really touched me. And then I was like, oh, he's an indie car now. Right yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize he was an indie, but I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should quickly, very, very quickly talk about the first race in Bahrain. Uh, I, th- I thought it was an incredible race. I loved the oh, end of it. nail biting stuff. Oh yeah, Great. spoilers for this race. Uh, starting now, spoilers for the race that was uh, a week ago. You, or two I weeks. mean, I'm super surprised if you, for some reason, we would be spoiling anyone who was trying to stay spoiler free of a race that happened two weeks ago. But you never know. But anyways, uh, I was sad to see Lewis win. To be honest, I I really oh, I loved it. Oh, I know you, you did. No, I loved right, so it. So can you? Can we extremely quickly? Because I don't want to belabor it, but. Can you explain to me the controversy with Lewis and track limits? Because my limited understanding oh, is yeah. when when Max passed Lewis, he went outside the track, and that's not allowed. And so he was told that you need to let Lewis by, or else you will face a penalty at the end. Okay, fine. No, because that that was it was slightly okay. So there are some there, you're conflating two different things. Okay, so fix me up here. There was a track limits issue, and then there was the overtaking issue. The track limits issue was going on for the entire race where there was a certain corner where Lewis was getting an advantage by going off the track. Max was doing it too, especially when he found out Lewis was doing it. And then there was a situation where they ended up saying, like the the uh, race officials were like, stop doing this now, you're not allowed to do this. And that's because of an ambiguity in the rules. Uh, and that should be fixed if it's going to be fixed. The thing about Max was you cannot overtake if you exceed the track limit. So as Kate is saying in the chat, you cannot have all four wheels over the white line when overtaking a car, which is a separate track limits mm, debate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That can happen. And you cannot overtake because you've got an advantage if you go off the track, right? If you cut a corner right. and overtake. Right, right, right. right so right. he had to get out of the way. The problem was he didn't have to get out of the way exactly at the moment he did, and it would have been tactically better if he maybe would have done it at a slightly different point. Mm. But at the point mm-hmm. that he did it, it allowed for Lewis to still get the advantage. I would hazard that. I don't. For me personally, I don't think it matter where he would have done it. Max kept saying this thing, which was just hilarious to me. It was like two two laps left, and he's like, "Oh, why didn't you just let me take a five second penalty? I could have got five seconds in front of him." Impossible <laughs> with the pace that he was running on at that time. <laughs> Um, but I loved the race because it really was down to the final lap which it hasn't been for a while Um, and I think there's going to be a little bit more to that as the season goes on I think that people may potentially be my read on it uh, overstating the difference between Mercedes and Red Bull because it is expected by some that Bahrain's track layout specifically shows the strengths and weaknesses of them each Mm, mm -hmm. for their cars this year, that it is particularly helpful for Red Bull, 
bad for Mercedes. And as races go on, we may potentially see a balance. And also another thing is Mercedes are very good at making cars. And from uh, because they did preseason testing there, from preseason testing to race weekend, the Mercedes car was significantly better on the track. They were making adjustments to it, right? Right, right. And uh, my understanding is there is the thing I think called the rake, and it's like a part of the car. And there were some regulation changes. And some of the cars that have had to make regulation changes to fit in here are suffering. And so that's the Mercedes engine based cars. So this is a problem for Aston as well. So there's some interesting stuff going on. I'm very excited for the rest of the season. I mean, Same. I want to see a bit of challenge, right? Of course, like everyone, I want to see a challenge between um, Mercedes and Red Bull. I want Mercedes to win that challenge, but I want <laughs> to see the challenge there. Yeah, I absolutely do too. Oh, and to go back to Drive to Survive Season 3, I was already not a particular fan of Christian Horner on account of his extracurricular activities. Oh, I do not like Christian Horner anymore. Holy Christian Horner monkey. is I, an interesting individual. Huh? I really actively dislike him. What is it? What is it that that tipped you for this season? So I feel like you know it was he was already kind of a dirtbag based on leaving his like either pregnant or had just given birth wife or girlfriend or whatever to go be with with whatever Spice Girl Jerry, Jerry Halliwell. I didn't know that about him. I, I, I haven't looked into him. Again, the de- the details I'm getting are probably at least slightly wrong, but his his then wife or then girlfriend had either just had his kid or was pregnant with his kid mm. when he left to be with Jerry, which is like gross, but you know that's kind of his business. I like I really disapprove of it, but it's kind of his thing. Mm. But I don't know. During Drive to Survive, it just seemed like everything. It, it, he just seems slimy. Like it, I think a lot of people did, take. Uh, took umbrage with the way that he was like appealing stuff yeah like he was always tattling always which like yes it is within his right to do it doesn't feel like sports personally exactly they are the rules and i liked one of the things that he actually he kind of owns up to it at one point and says that like you know i this is what we have to do though they're so far ahead. The cars are so much. Their cars so much better. We have to take advantage of every thing that we can, so we do it. I personally didn't like the way, and I didn't like this during the season. The whole drama around Racing Point's car. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that one really annoyed me. That felt pe- petty because it was like that. You know, they were really having an incredible season, and all of the teams that were expecting uh, to beat them were all ganging up mm-hmm. and trying to like really pick the par- car apart until they finally found a thing that they could get the FIA to yep uh, get upset about. Like I remember being like really annoyed about that as the season was unfolding uh, in 2020. Anyway, like that one just felt a little bit like. You're just going to keep like Needling. disputing mm. this until mm. you can find something to um, like to, to hammer them on. So, yeah, I don't know. I just I really am not like I, I like Red Bull just fine. I like Max, even though he strikes me as most racing drivers as a bit of a jerk. But um, I, I like I certainly love the competition between Red Bull and, and Mercedes. But like, yeah, Toto Toto seems uh, I love Toto. Oh, right. Man, exactly. He seems like a genuinely nice fellow. He mm-hmm. seems like he's he's sportsmanly or more sporting i adored the moment when christian horner and i give props to christian horner he went to toto and said i'm going yes. to to i'm going to the stewards today to protest yep. mm-hmm. your uh das system 
And then he's like, okay. And then I love that. He's, then Toto's like, it's cool though, right? <laughs> I, like, I really like that. He's like, it's really cool. And then Christian was like, oh yeah, it's great. Like, and I really appreciated that moment where it was yep. kind of like, you know, and also there was that, I can't remember the exact thing, but when Toto was talking about Christian Horner, it was very reminiscent of the Don Draper meme, right? The like, I don't oh, think, yeah, I don't think about all. you at all. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of meme. And, yeah, yeah. you know, and, 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 I've seen people saying like, oh, of course you'd say that if you were ahead. But I think that this is a like a circular, like a cyclical thing mm-hmm. of like, you don't think about the, con- like you don't think about the competition so much if you're so much better, but you are potentially that much better because you don't think about the competition so much and focus on yourself. Yep, so like, yep, I think yep. that there is a, a cause and effect that goes on with those things. I yeah, agree. There was one thing about, about Christian Horner because it really does seem like from, stuff that I've read online, his kind of season and the way that he acted in the season um, definitely drew a lot of opinions from people. And, you know, we have a joke in our house during the race that, like, during the races, Christian is always popping up on the commentary. Like, he friggin' loves it, which is why he's in Drive to Survive so much. He clearly loves being on Drive to Survive. Like, he's that individual. He Mm -hmm. really just, like, eats up the attention, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is a criticism. It's just something that he likes. That's that's people, right? Uh, I I do sympathize with his position of being so successful and then that success stopping. Yeah. I agree with and that. Like, what is he supposed to do? Right. Like, and, and like, you know, he's always talking about like wanting to put the fight to them, wanting to put the fight to them, but he uh, maybe up until the season just can't do it. And like that, it must be so difficult to be in that situation of like, you are the second team, but you are a, distant second and like mm-hmm. but you didn't used to be you used to be the winning team and like and it feels like it must be like this mountain to climb and and it's like you know i didn't like all the stuff that did on around moving the drivers around and stuff but similarly in his situation i don't know what you would do because you have this one driver who's so good right and then you have another driver in the cars who can't match to it. Yep. And like the only way they are going to be world champions is to have two drivers of somewhat equal skill, right? That's what Mercedes have. Many of the teams have that. But for, year, for the last two seasons, Red Bull have not had that. I think they probably have now, right? Checo is an excellent driver, and I would expect that this is probably Red Bull's best shot for a while. Maybe next season would, I mean, the regulation change next season is going to upend everything, and maybe if they had another season like this, maybe they would, if not this year, like next year, get it to the top because they, I think, have a driver pairing which is a little bit more matched. But these things, are, I, I think, are easy to look at, and I look at them and be like, oh, man, you, you really seem like not a great working environment. But <laughs> I also see how someone could make the decisions that he's made, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, also, as a final note, how good does the Aston Martin look? Oh, man, I love it so much. Uh, like, Aston, like, you know, they they are the team that I want to do well this year, the team that I want to really succeed this year. Because I have a lot of like British pride in Aston Martin. Of course, of course. And the car looks so good. And I really want Vettel to have a good season. He had a terrible first race. 
I'm hoping to see a good season from them because I really enjoyed Racing Point last year. Like I, I really enjoyed them as a team. I like their kind of, uh, I like their overall attitude. Their like get up and go, like making the best of it kind of attitude that they've had mm-hmm. for the last couple of years. I like their story, you know, like of of kind of getting to be in a better situation, a better like uh, fortune than they've had in previous years. It's like I want to see them do well, um, and so like it, you know, uh, they're like. They're my team that I think I'm following with the most uh, excitement for the year, and then yeah. I have a few drivers that I'm still like, like um, I'm super excited for Toro Rosso, AlphaTauri, mm-hmm. because big fan of Pierre after his season in uh, 2020, and uh, Sonda. What a great showing from Yuki too! What an incredible showing that first race. Oh my god! Yeah, like this was a thing that like you he really I've watched some stuff afterwards. They didn't they didn't get to show a lot of his overtakes in the race because the they were following the first place battles. But Yuki Sonda looks cool, and also I saw some interviews with him. He seems like a very lovely guy, like just super excited to be there, kind of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I saw a pre pre race interview of him where someone was like, "All right, so where do you hope to be today?" It was like before qualifying. It was like pre qualifying. He's like, "Where do you hope to be today?" And he's like, "P one," and then just burst out <laughs> laughing because like he does, like isn't unrealistic. But like what else is he gonna say? So you know, I I have like a. I would say that, like, for the teams that I really want to perform, like uh, Toro Rosso, I, de- I keep calling Toro Alpha Tauri, are definitely mm-hmm. up there for me because that driver pairing I find so exciting. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very excited for them too this year. Uh, I'm just gonna say it, like, Haas was just hilarious. It was hilarious. Oh my gosh, there was it was hilarious. The, the, it, it was ridiculous watching. Uh, what's Penn. his name? Mazepin just Ma- plow. Spin, as yeah, he's known. Yeah, yeah, right. Just go right off. Right in the. Was, I mean, it, it was, it was terrifying turn, it? because, well, yes. like, Haas is crashing in the Bahrain track is quite scary. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Season bookends, but like you sent me this meme, and I'd seen it as well. Uh, some uh, in a, a Slack that I'm in. Uh, about the fact that Grosjean's car was in his car on fire for longer than Mazepin had his was in the race for the first race. <laughs> it's so it's so uncouth, but, but it's, it's so it's funny. just horrible, but unbelievable. Oh gosh, it was so funny. Anyway, I don't know. I knowing that he strikes me as a total dirtbag as well. No, I don't really shed any tears that yeah. he did not have a good first showing. And I have lost, I've lost all respect for Haas, and I think that it is a true tragedy and crime that Mick Schumacher is in that team, considering the way that they have sold out their livery. To like, it, I just think that it's it's terrible and it's embarrassing. I think to have someone to have a Schumacher name in in that team this year, it just feels embarrassing to me. Yeah, I can understand that, but I. I agree with you about Aston Martin. Like the whole thing where where Lance Stroll just rides in on Daddy's coattails, maybe allegedly. But I um, don't buy this because Lance seems to be a very good driver. What just right? So that's the thing I'm wrestling with. Is like I I don't dig that it's Daddy's little boy that gets to be one of the two racers. However. On the flip side of it, he does seem to be very good. I do like their attitude. I do think they're trying really hard to break into something that's nearly impossibly difficult to break into. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, I, I don't really begrudge them. If if Lance sucked, I would have more of a problem with it. But he doesn't. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know. All I know is those that green, that shiny green is so good. Oh, so beautiful. 
God save the queen, Mike. <laughs>